Take your Bibles this morning. Open up 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter number 1 is where we'll be, not only today, but probably for the next, till the Lord returns, or the next century, whatever happens after we get started in here. 1 Peter chapter number 1. And I got to thinking about as we're as is approaching this brand new chapter, verse by verse, and we just believe in that here if you're a guest with us. Uh, uh, I like all kinds of preaching. We've done some topical the last few weeks, but, but I just think there's nothing like verse by verse expository preaching. Amen. Straight through the Word of God, I think it, it creates a well-learned congregation. I think it helps us to keep verses and, and passages and, and truths in context and the way the original author meant it and the way God meant it. And, and I'm looking forward to this study as we go through the Word of God together through 1 Peter. Let me just ask you this question as we're getting ready to get started. Has anybody heard any good news lately? Amen. <laughs> I mean, if you flip on the news channels, if you watch the, uh, all those 24 by 7 talking heads and all those folks on TV, read the newspaper, I mean, everything's terrible, isn't it? And that's the way the world is painted. I'm telling you what, there are people all over this country, there's people all over this world that are depressed, that are discouraged this morning, that can't get their nose off the TV channels. Y'all know what I'm talking about. No matter where you go, those things are on there. There's talking head, blah, 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 blah. How bad, doom and gloom, 24 by 7. I can only imagine if in Peter's day, they had things like the Clinton News Network and the by the way, Fox isn't much better, amen, a little bit more conservative bent, praise God for that. But, 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 but I just can only imagine if they had 24 by 7 news programming and they had this internet.com and they had this, this Facebook thing and how, how horrible the picture would have been painted in Peter's day. When you think about us, and we walk around as Americans, and, and yes, uh, I understand uh, we're, we're being attacked and our religious freedoms are being attacked, but I'm telling you what, we ain't like China, amen. We got some freedoms. Uh, and we're not like the day they lived in Peter's day, as you're going to learn today. We still got freedom in Christ. And I'm thankful today that we can come to this place, and, and as bad as maybe some persecutions are, as bad as some of our suffering and trials are, we can worship God in truth and spirit. We live in a day and a time we can do that. Praise God. I believe persecution's coming. Don't get me wrong. But, but you want to see persecution this morning? Let's look what was going on in, first, in Peter's day here as he writes this. In Peter's day in Rome, I'm telling you, I can't imagine being there. The Christians were scattered all about. They were, they were being persecuted. The, the, the church was really in hiding to what it was because, because I want to tell you, as bad as it was and as bad as it, we're going to read about it, Peter comes along and God uses him for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to tell us that even during suffering, even during trials, even during persecution, God is still good. God is still in control, and God is still going to make a way. So he writes this, and I think the whole purpose here is to encourage us, and that's the name of what I called this whole series, Encouraging Promises in a Discouraging World. Today we're going to look at simple fact number one. This world is not our home. Now, that title was given before I realized I probably won't make it past verse 1 because there's some good news in verse 2 through 5, but that might be next week. We'll just see how the Lord leads. So let's just have some reasons. Let's look at this morning some reasons to rejoice because this world is not my home. Encouraging promises in a discouraging world. If you stand, we'll read just a few verses this morning. I'll read verses 1 through 5, and, and who knows? The Lord might bless, and we might get through them all, but I kind of doubt it. But the Bible says this, Peter, 
an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. It says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me just stop right there for one second because I know I probably won't get there. I'll tell you, it's still about the blood. Amen. Listen, I'm telling you, they're taking it out everywhere. Y'all don't talk about the blood. If there is no shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. We need to keep the blood in. Amen. Just throw that out. That'll be next week. Amen. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy. I love that. Didn't just say His mercy, did it? Although that would have been enough. It said, according to His abundant mercy, hath begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Sounds like we're on our way, amen, if you know Jesus. Who are kept, not by our own good works, look what it says, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Father, would you just not only bless the reading we just did of your word, but bless now the exposition. Bless now the teaching and these introductions, Lord. You know my heart. You know how hard it is to get started in a new series. There's so much history. There's so much background that's so pertinent, Lord, that you've just burned my heart with as I studied this. Lord, help this to be interesting. Help this to set the stage for the truth you're going to reveal to us throughout this study. Lord, thank you for the encouraging word and encouraging promise and a discouraging world. Thank you that this world is not our home. Father, bless now the teaching and preaching in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. As I start to read, and I'm thinking about all these wonderful places, about this, these truths that the world's not my home, and, and promises here that, that encourage us, even though we're living, too, in a discouraging world. Nothing like he was. But, but I, I started reading verse number 1, and I got to Peter. And I stopped. And I was encouraged already. <laughs> You said, how are you encouraged already? And I got to thinking this, uh, about Peter, and, and I just called that the, it's the preface. And I don't know if we'll make it past the preface this morning. But the penman of the book, his name is Peter. And, and you know what Peter means? It, it literally means the rock. It means really little rock. It means pebble is what the idea of it. And, and that first verse, as I start, that first word gives me some hope. You say, why does just reading Peter give you some encouragement in a discouraging world? Why, how does that help you a little bit? Can I remind you, this is the same Peter that was a fisherman. If God can use a fisherman, he can use us. Amen. This is the same Peter, listen to me, that walked on water at one point. And you can preach, and I have, and, and everybody else will too, all these messages about Peter and, and all his, he, his lack of faith and how he took his eyes off Jesus, and, and then he sunk, and yes, there's application there. Don't get me wrong. He got out of the doggone boat. He walked on the water. you ever done that? Most Christians never got out of the boat. That's the Peter I'm talking about. And, and, and this, this is the same Peter, listen, that, 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 that was rash, the same Peter that was crash. The same Peter that was brash. The same Peter that had the ability to open up his mouth and stick both feet in. Some of y'all got that ability. I got that ability. 
If I had three, I'd probably get all three of them in sometimes. So can you relate to this Peter? That's what I'm trying to tell you this morning. He, he's very relatable as we as we think about him. And, and to St. Peter, I mean, he was so zealous. Do you remember his, he, the Lord told him one he was going to deny me? It won't be me. I'll never deny you. Just a little while later, three times, face to face, eyeball to eyeball, there was Jesus. He denied him. St. Peter, he said, how does that give you hope? Because I want to tell you what, I've done a lot of things that don't that wouldn't please my Savior. How about you? And as many bad things as I've done in this world, I've never denied him face to face, eyeball to eyeball three times. And God wasn't done with Peter. In fact, he was just getting started. And thank God that, listen, he can use people like this. This is St. Peter. You remember the Garden of Gethsemane that cut off the high priest's ear? Y'all remember that? And got rebuked by Jesus for it? That same Peter. The one that messes up all the time. The one that's so zealous that he, 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 gets his, he gets his mouth engaged before he gets his brain engaged. We, some of us got that gift too, don't we? <laughs> you say, why does it give you hope? Because he messed up a bunch. But God didn't throw him away. In fact, God had some powerful things for this Peter to do yet in his life. After some of his biggest failures. That's encouraging today. There's somebody that came in this place today and said, Preacher, they're thinking in their mind, God can't use me. I want to tell you, First Peter 2 2, that's a bunch of hogwash. Amen. God can use it. But, Preacher, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the mistakes I made. I don't have to. My God, you got breath, you got life. God has a plan for your life. And God wants to use you, and he wants to use even you and even me. And like I said, that ought to give us some hope. If he can use an unlearned fisherman that messed up as many times as Peter, and we're going to see how he's going to use him in a mighty way that I think is as applicable today as the day he wrote it to encourage our hearts with, with encouraging promises in a discouraging world, then that gives me some hope. Christ denier. Little rock. Peter, Cephas, Simon was his Jewish name. It gives me hope because it reminds me God can take little broken pebbles that have messed up and he can use them for his glory. Amen. I'm thankful for that. Notice what it says next to the next two words. I told you we won't get very far today. Peter. Next one says an apostle. An apostle. Now what does that mean? We, we got a, uh, that word apostle and Apostolos is the Greek word. It's used in the Bible over 80 different times. And when you see that word alone, here's what it means. By itself, it means a sent one. It means one that is that is sent by an authority with a commission. The ships often at that time were called apostolic ships. And they were dispatched with a specific shipment to a specific destination. And so they were sent ships in that word. It's kind of the idea the, behind the word is where we get our idea today of the word missionary from. Uh, that are sent, people that are sent by God to a specific location for a specific mission. But listen, he just didn't call him an apostle. There's some key words right after that. And there is a difference. Calling him apostle of Jesus Christ. He's not just a sent one. He is a sent one specifically for Jesus Christ. 
Now, to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, we've got to stop and have Sunday school just for a little bit. I want you to get a couple of these truths and get your Bible flipping fingers ready. We're going to look up a couple things this morning. To be an apostle, you had to meet several requirements in the Bible. Number one, you had to be specifically chosen and sent by God. And Look with me at, flip back to John chapter 1 and verse number 40 with me. John chapter 1, verse number 40. I want you to see uh, uh, Peter's calling here and how God sent him. And, and you know the account, if you, if you read through your Bible, of how he called those 12 disciples. How Jesus comes walking by. In John's case, uh, his brother Andrew uh, had a big part. And Andrew the bringer, we call him, right? And look with me at John chapter 1. And we'll see here that his, his, he was sent by God, his calling to, to be a disciple. One of the 12 originally chosen to be disciples. And we'll pick up our reading in verse number 40. The Bible says this, And one of the two which had heard John speak followed him. His name was Andrew. He was whose brother? Simon Peter's brother. He, find, he first findeth his brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which being interpreted as we have found Christ. Amen. He got that right, didn't he? <laughs> and look what he says next. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt thou be called Cephas, which by interpretation is stone. He changed his name to Peter. He changed his name to, in that day, Cephas, which means stone. And God called him to follow him and, and, and to follow him. But that's the first requirement to be an apostle. The second one of Jesus Christ, the second requirement to be an apostle of Jesus Christ is this. And we're going to see him fulfill that. Is Jesus must have personally commissioned you as well. Flip over to John chapter 21 while you're still there in John. And, and let's, let's, look at, uh, let's look at Peter's specific commission. How did he call himself an apostle of Jesus Christ? And, and this is important. I'll hit you why here in just a few moments. John chapter 21. And he had to be specifically sent and commissioned by Jesus himself. And look at John chapter 21 and verse 15 with me. John 21 verse 15. The Bible says that when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou more than these? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Listen to Jesus' commission. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Verse 16, he saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him again, Feed my sheep. Verse 17, he saith unto him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He uses both his names, both the Hebrew name Simon and the Greek name he gave him, Peter. Listen to this. Then he said, Peter was grieved, because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. He got that right too, didn't he? Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said, feed my you see how he fulfilled that specific mission? Listen, he was specifically chosen as a disciple, uh, as a follower. He was specifically commissioned by Jesus Christ. He said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Third requirement to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to tell you why all this is important in a moment. But you, had to, you had to have seen the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Flip with me to 1 Corinthians and, and uh, we'll, get our, we'll get our introduction and flipping around and we'll really get into it next week. But 1 Corinthians chapter... Number 9, 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. 
Paul is writing here under the inspiration of God, and he's defending actually his apostleship uh, for some that have come and, and questioned. And as you read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, you look at verse number 1, and we'll read those couple verses, and it says, and Paul asked that question, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Listen to what he says. Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? He's saying, listen, that's a qualification. I've seen him. I fulfill it. I've been called by him. I've been commissioned by him. And I have seen the risen Savior. Flip with me. Where did that happen? Flip, or flip with me. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 with me. Talking about Peter's fulfillment of that now. No, not Paul's, but Peter's. 1 Corinthians 15. Read that with me. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Background, just to understand the rest of this book. Where did this happen? Where did Peter uh, see the risen Savior? Well, we read those, those perfect. You know I'm not going to skip verses 1 through 4 to get to verse 5. So we're going to stop right there. <laughs> In verse number 1, he, uh, Paul writing here under the inspiration of God, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Amen. And which I preached unto you, which you received, and wherein you stand. Verse number two, he says, by which you are saved. Can I just remind you, if you're here, you're here today and you're without Christ, there's only one message that will save you. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you need to believe in that message. And listen to the rest of it. He tells us what it is in verse three. He says, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. I don't think it's a day and I don't think it's a service. You come to this place, you won't hear that message somewhere. And then he gets to verse number 5, and we're going to see the fulfillment of Peter's qualification here, that he did see the risen Savior. Look at verse number 5. And that he was seen of who? Who does it say? Cephas, one of the twelve. Peter saw the risen Savior. To be a, a, an apostle of Jesus Christ, listen, you had to specifically be sent by God. You had to be personally commissioned by God. You had to have seen the risen Savior. Let me give you a fourth one. I believe that you don't hear this one that often. I believe you also had to receive some divine inspiration or divine revelation from God. In other words, God had to, had to use you and talk through you in a mighty way. And Look with me in Matthew chapter 16, and we'll be done flipping today. Matthew chapter 16, and we'll get back to our text, but... Look what it says in Matthew 16 and, and verse number, well, where are we hidden? Verse number 16. Matthew 16, verse 16. You say, this is like a Bible study, preacher. <laughs> Intros usually are. Amen. Matthew 16 and verse number 16. Look with me. And Simon Peter answered, what was going on here? He, they were talking about debating, who does he say? And some say, Jesus said, who do you say I am? And some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elias, some say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And, and he turns and he gets, Jesus gets real pointed and asks a question. Ultimately, you and I got to answer. doesn't matter what anybody else says who Jesus is. It doesn't matter what the preacher says. It doesn't matter what the Pope says. It doesn't matter what any other Christian says. Grandma says. Grandpa says. It doesn't matter what your Sunday school teacher says. It matters what do you believe and who do you believe Jesus is. And he turned it right back to Peter. He said, He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Listen to Peter. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He got that right too, didn't he? And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee. But who told him? Who revealed it to him? He said, But my Father, which is in heaven. 
Hey, you had some divine revelation. And now you flip back to 1 Peter in chapter number 1 in our text. Guess what we're reading? This whole letter, this whole book, and another one to follow in 2 Peter is all written by divine revelation under the inspiration of God. Peter's writing what God inspired him to write and where he's got a divine revelation. You say, why did you cover all that, preachers? Preacher, why did you go through all those requirements to be a, a disciple of Jesus Christ? I want to tell you why. Because we've got these crazies out there running all over this place calling themselves modern-day apostles. I'm going to tell you what, they've never seen the risen Savior. Eyeball to eyeball. Hey, they never got divine revelation from God. There is no more. It's completed. Right here in 66 books, we got it all. Three times God warned in this word, don't add to it, don't take away. We got the completed revelation. Listen, you can fall into all that stuff you want. I'm here to warn you from the Bible right now. They can call themselves High Holy Reverend Apostolistic Church of the Prophets. I don't care what their title is. All they are is a false prophet if they add that to it. They didn't see him. They weren't sent by God. They were sent by somebody else. It might have been a spirit, but it wasn't God's. No more apostles today because there's no more revelation today. We have it all, amen, right here in our 66 books. You say, man, if God can use somebody like that here who failed him so often, now called him to this, uh, this unbelievable office, if you want to call it that, this unbelievable calling to be an, not just an apostle, but an apostle of Jesus Christ. To be the penman who under the divine authorship writes this book we're getting ready to study for, for until pretty much Christ returns. Then I'm going to tell you, uh, he can use us. He can use us. We see the penman of the book, but notice with me next. I call this just simply the flight of the people. Oops, y'all got the whole album. Right, how'd that happen? I don't even know how to back up. So forget it. You don't get to see it. That's next week. Amen. <laughs> The plight of the people. Write that down if you're writing it down. The plight of the people. Look with me back in verse number one. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Little pebble that messed up so many times. Now God has turned him into an apostle. You've seen the risen Savior and under divine revelation, now you've given us what God told us he wanted to know about us. How to be encouraged in a discouraged world. He said, to the stranger scattered. And then he lists all these towns, Pontus and Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And he lists all those areas. Now what does that mean, scattered? And, and as we look at some of these words, I want you to get it today. It is scattered uh, has the idea that, that, listen, these were both Jews. And, and most folks would believe that he's talking similar to the way James did to the dysphoria, to, to the Jews that went out. I believe he's also, and I know Peter was primarily to the to the Jews, but, but I, I believe he was talking to Gentiles too. He was talking about a people in all these towns that have been dispersed. They, they've been under persecution and they've scattered out today. All, the, all those cities listed there were, were in the area of what they called Asia Minor. They would be in what we call today modern day Turkey is, is kind of the general area if you want to get your geography here. And they were scattered to do the simple fact of persecution had come. 
both from the Roman government, we're going to talk a lot about that, but also from Jewish legalism, because some of them were Jews that came out of that bondage and, and understood that Jesus was Messiah, amen? And they, they came out of that, and, and now they're in hiding because they're in fear of persecution. They're in fear of getting killed. And In fact, most people say uh, that First Peter was, most of the theologians say that it was written about 64 A.D., now, let me give you a little history. Don't, don't check out on me. This is going to matter for the rest of the book. Everybody with me? Uh, I know it's a lot more, I know it's a lot more history and a lot less preaching today, but you gotta get this or the rest of the book, you won't completely understand it. If you, if you remember, if you studied history, there was a period of time in history from about 64 to 67 AD when there was a man by the name of Nero in charge of Rome. How many of you are kind of familiar with that? He was the emperor of Rome. And in 64 AD, the same year that many Bible scholars believe Peter wrote this letter, that same very year, he set much of the, much of the city of Rome on fire. Nero did. The emperor of that. He set it on fire himself. What did he do that for? So he could blame the Christians for it. See, he hated and despised the things of God that much that he burnt, the, he burnt half the city and then he said the Christians did it because he wanted to have the right and the people behind him to go persecute those Christians. And so they started capturing and, and torturing and killing Christians and, 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 and they would take them, and, and you know the stories, they would, they would take them and, uh, Brother Colton, come here. They would take them many times and, and they would tie them to a stake and they'd burn them right in the city. Burn them alive. Other ones then, thank you, sir. Other ones then, they would, they would take down. That was it. That's all I got. Amen. <laughs> Other ones, they would, they would take to the Colosseum. And y'all know, y'all, you remember the blood sport, right? They'd take the Christians in there and they'd, they, they'd put them in there just like sport and watch them like they were animals or something. And they'd stick the lions on them and the, the wild dogs and they'd chew them up and they'd cheer in the crowds. Yes, down with those Christians. Down with those Christians that burnt down our city. They didn't burn it down either. He hated Christians that much. Don't you think that that same spirit's still not alive in this world today? Let me just throw that in there. persecution because of that persecution because if, if they got caught and they were a christian they were put on the spot and said said one of two things you either got to you got to profess nero or you profess christ and if you profess christ we're going to take, we're going to kill you because of that persecution they were scattered abroad now let me just stop for a few moments in here Have you ever been threatened to be thrown in the Colosseum and watch lions and wild dogs eat you? Have you ever had someone, I know that day may come, and it is happening in other countries, by the way. But I'm talking about here in America, Hillsville, Virginia, the heart of, the heart of America. Somebody say amen right there. God's country. Have you ever been threatened to be burned at a stake? Oh, but we're under such persecution, aren't we? You see what you allowed all that news media to do to your head? Hey, we got a lot of freedoms too, amen? Hey, I'm standing here preaching this unapologetically, and if somebody walks in there and shoots me dead, they can't do it unless God allows it, amen? And I live in a country where they won't make it back out of here if they did. It, praise God. <laughs> I might be gone, amen, but y'all still here. And we think about how bad we got it. 
Oh, I'm just under such persecution and everything. Somebody unfriended me this week on Facebook. I wrote something Christian and they unfriended me. It's so hard being a Christian. Come on. The preacher didn't, the preacher didn't listen to my idea. They didn't even shake my hand at church. Nobody shook my hand at church. Guess what? That means you didn't shake anybody else's hand either. We're under such persecution. They're taking prayer out of school. Actually, that's a misnomer. You can pray anytime you want, anywhere you want. Somebody say amen. They took public prayer over the intercom out of school. If we get more Christians to spend some more private time praying in school, we'll take care of that right now. We'll just interrupt class. Nobody listen until you're done praying. Amen. That teacher will wait. Because <laughs> they got to pass their SOLs, right? And that's what they make y'all do now, right? It's all about the SOLs. I'm starting to meddle now. <laughs> we just think everything's so hard today. Listen to what Peter does. Now, we don't have this in the Bible, but I, I want you to read what, what historians have wrote. This was a historian by the name of Joet. I don't even know who he is. Amen. But a lot of people referenced him, so he must be all right. He said this. He said, Peter, just four years later, by the way, four years after writing this, was put in a horrible prison called the Mermitane. You've probably heard of it. And he was kept in absolute darkness for nine months. Tied to a post, chained to a post. And, and, and while he was tied there, in spite of the suffering he was going through, he was tortured daily in that darkness and then, then beaten on top of that. In spite of all the suffering he was going through there in jail. Listen, listen to what he writes here. He said he preached in the darkness of that prison. And two of the jailers, and he gives me some names and I can't pronounce them, but you can either, so I'll say them fast and you'll think I'm right. Processus and Martinius. Two other jailers named with specific names here, along with 47 other people who were in jail, all gave their life to Christ while he was in this jail, tortured right before he went out. Wow. And we can't hand out a gospel with that. In a free country. What's wrong? Because we're under such persecution. We need to wake up. I call that going out with a bang. <laughs> In fact, they go on to tell us, historians do, that Peter's love for Christ was so much that he refused to be crucified in the same manner that Jesus did. That he was crucified upside down. He said, I'm not worthy to die like my Savior did. History tells us that. I don't have Bible for that. But, but many accounts of history. That's that same old fisherman that denied him three times that failed him often. He ended pretty good, didn't he? Huh. What a mighty, what a mighty move of God. The plight of the people. Finally, I want you to see this. Write this down if you're taking notes. The purpose of the book. We got the penman of the book, the plight of the people, and now the purpose of the book. You say, where is that? Well, it's found all throughout it. Peter had one purpose in this book. Under the inspiration of God, he wanted to give those Christians and all the Christians and all the churches for, that are going to exist from that point on that are going through trials, through suffering, and through persecution, he said, I'm writing under the inspiration of God because I want to give you some hope. I want to give you some hope through your suffering. 
We're going to see that as we continue on. Hope that, that, that God's grace will enable us to, to, to get through and make it through the suffering. That even in suffering and trials and persecution, God's still good. God's still in control. And His promises are still a guarantee for the future. In fact, He says, He starts giving hope by reminding them of, of a very word there in verse number one. He says, uh, to Peter, an apostle, to the stranger scattered. That word strangers is, is a word of hope. You said, how is that a word of hope? Well, you look that word up, and here's what it literally means. It means a foreigner, an alien from a foreign country who's temporarily residing in a different place. In this context, he's saying, you're an alien. You're a foreigner in this land. What are you worried about? You've been saved by the grace of God. This is as bad as it's going to get. You don't even belong here. You've already got a new citizenship in another place, and that place is called heaven. You're just a stranger here. Guess what? Bad as it gets. That's what he's saying. And he gives them a little hope. It's the same word we, that's often translated pilgrim. And he's telling them, listen, no matter how much persecution comes, no matter how much suffering comes, be of good cheer because this world is not our home. Isn't that good news today? Listen, there's going to be a day. There's going to be a day where our freedoms are gone. I'm telling you, we're losing them. I understand that. But we're not suffering persecution like anybody else. But that day's coming at some point. But even when it comes here, even when I fear I'll be burning a stake for telling you that there's only one way to heaven. His name is Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Even when my life could be threatened that very morning for preaching that truth, just like the disciples were, just like the apostles were, even when that day comes to America, be of good cheer. This ain't our home anyway. Amen. We're strangers. The purpose is to give some hope. How many of you know the old song? This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't be at home in this world anymore. Dear Christian, you've been saved by the grace of God. This is as bad as it gets. Isn't that good news? That's what he's going to be teaching them for the next five months. But that's not true for you. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, you've never repented, changed your mind about your sin. See, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You never repent and change your mind about yourself. You can't save yourself. Good works won't save you. We're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of godless. Any man should boast. It's not of works. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, Titus 3, 5, but according to his mercy he saves us. If you've never repented of your sin, never repented of yourself and try, thinking you can save yourself, and you've never repented, change your mind about who the Savior is. His name is Jesus. There's none other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Jesus. And you've never believed the gospel. As Jesus said, repent ye and believe the gospel. Put your trust in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've already read. If you've never done that, can I tell you? And I tell you this from a loving heart. This is as good as it'll ever get. You got a place waiting for you that the death, that the Bible calls hell. It's a place of torment, of gnashing of teeth, and a place where you will spend eternity without Christ. And I don't want you to go there. Neither does Peter, and certainly neither does my Savior. That's why he came and died on that cross for our sins. That's why he shed his blood. That's why he, he went and was buried for three days and rose from the dead. And then praise God, he soon returned to come get us. 
This is as good as it will ever be in your life if you haven't trusted Christ. So i got some good news. If you haven't, you can get that settled today. The Holy Spirit of God has showed you in your heart that you're a sinner separated from a holy God and that you can't do anything to deserve to live good enough to get there, but that you can only trust in Jesus Christ's provision, His shed blood, His death on Calvary's cross and His resurrection. Then you got everything you need to know. Now you just got to believe it here. That's why you confess it here. Listen to what Paul says, Romans 10 9. That if thou, that's us, shall confess with thy mouth, that word confess means say the same thing, agree with God. Agree with God that I'm a sinner, agree with God that Jesus is Savior and that He's Lord. Shall confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in thine heart that God has raised Him from the dead. There's your gospel. Thou shalt be saved. Not might be, not hope so. Not saved till you mess up again. Done deal. Because he did all the work. And as we'll learn next week, he does all the keeping too. Father, have your will and way, I pray, during this invitation. Thank you for this book that I'm so excited, Lord, to, to study and to preach through. I pray this series, Lord, will be applicable. And Lord, thank you for the promise we learned this morning. This is bad as it gets for a Christian. But Lord, this is also as good as it gets for someone who's playing games, who's never truly repented, changed their mind and turned and put their trust in Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's one like that in this room, I pray, Lord, right now, your Holy Spirit would reveal that to them and that by faith they would turn and put their trust in you. Bless now our invitation in Christ's name. Amen. If you'd stand, heads bowed, eyes closed all over the room. No one looking around. We're not here about embarrassing anybody, calling anybody out. We just don't do that. If you're here today, you honestly ask the Lord to search your heart. Honestly, can't say 100% sure, and i got a Bible reason why I believe it, that if I died and took my last breath right now, that heaven would be my eternal home. And I'm talking to you right now. Right now. The Holy Spirit has shown you that truth. And you understand you're a sinner. And you believe Jesus died for you. Not just that he died, but he died for you. Was buried and rose again for you. Right now, I'm encouraging you. Confess that with your mouth. Why do you believe it in your heart? I'll say a prayer. But listen, the words of the prayer are going to save you. It's the object of who you're praying to and the belief in the heart behind it. Call upon him. That's you today. You clearly understand that. Right now, right where you stand, from your heart, agree with God. Pray something like this. Father God, I acknowledge and I confess to you today that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died on a cross for my sins. And I believe he was buried and that he rose again the third day for my sins. And I'm turning to you now, Lord Jesus. 
confessing you as Savior. And by faith I receive the free gift of eternal life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. With every head still bowed, every eye still closed. I'm just curious if someone would be honest with me this morning. I'm not calling you out, embarrassing you. But I do want to pray for you. And say, today, preacher, today I just did that. I repented. I changed my mind. I agree with God. I'm a sinner. And I ask Jesus to save me. All I want to do is pray for you. Somebody like that right now. Just slip your hands up. Nobody's looking. Nobody's calling you out. Nobody's embarrassing. Anybody in the room like that get their eternity saved? Let me ask you this question. Dear Christian, you reckon what we think is suffering is nothing compared to what other Christians are going through? You reckon we ought to get our nose out of how bad it is when this media paints our world as how, how bad it is and how bad our country is and start cherishing the freedom we do have to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world all around us? Let's be thankful for what we have. Let's do what God entrusted us to do. And that's to preach the gospel to every creature. Father, use the message in every heart and every life. If there's one here today, Lord, during this invitation as we sing, Lord, a Christian maybe that's, that's gotten all doomed and gotten all discouraged and, and gotten all depressed because of everything that's happening in our country, Lord, would you remind them today of the, the wonderful freedoms we still have and, and, Lord, the opportunity that we still have. And, you said the, the fields, Lord, they're, 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 they're ready for harvest. We just need some laborers, Lord. And we've got a free country where we can still labor. Let us get rid of our excuses. Let us get rid of our pity parties. And let us go about the business you've called us to do. And that's to win men, women, uh, boys and girls to Jesus Christ before it's eternally too late. Lord, if there's one here today that's just struggling with that, Lord, release them today and remind them of our great freedom. In Christ's name I pray. We sing. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy How many have caught up with the How bad everything is. And it don't take long, does it? Will surely the world's so bad, our country's so bad. I mean, if you, you turn on the loop news, you'd think there's no hope. Only trust him. I'm telling you, we got a world full of hope. We got a gospel and a power in it that's full of hope. We trust him now. We saw two people saved after service last week. We saw five saved on Monday. God is still working. The gospel still works. Let's get rid of our pity party. Let's put that smile on, knowing this is the bad as it gets for us. Let's go tell this world the good news that Jesus said. Into the crimson flood that washes white as snow. Only trust him, only trust him, only trust him now. He will save you, he will save you, he will save you now. Just ask you this this morning. 
real quick before we're dismissed. How many of you would just be honest with me? I know no one likes to ever admit that they, that they get caught up in stuff and the negativity of the world, but how many would just be honest with me today and say, that was me. I get caught up in it. Many hands all over the room. My hand's up too. Get caught up in it. Don't ever forget. Don't ever forget. This great country we live in, the freedom we still have, and the commission that God's given us. Be busy about fulfilling it. Let's be busy about proclaiming the gospel. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege to open up your precious book again. And I thank you for this study. I can't wait to see what you're going to do, not only in my life, but in the life of every believer here as we go through this precious book. Blessed, I pray. Bless them now as we dismiss, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. Can I ask you real quick, those who are going on a mission trip, stay, hang out. We'll have a real brief meeting, and we'll get you out of here in just a few moments. God bless you. <laughs>